Hello and welcome back to Absurdity, where we discuss all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And while it seems odd that uh, today's episode is not on all of the recent happenings with Jerry Falwell or in Kenosha with Jacob Blake uh, and Kyle Rittenhouse is the latest on that, um, we are... We are very well aware of those, and that content is coming, it but is today's coming. episode is because today is a very specific day. Um, it's International Aware uh, International Drug Overdose yeah. Awareness Day, and so we wanted to uh, do something for this on request of uh, someone that I've become very close to recently, but also um, out of kind of honor of, of two people in my own life uh, that have passed away from this, and this is just one day that um, it's a day. So don't worry. All of the other stuff that you would expect us to be talking yeah, they're, about, they're coming. They're coming too. <laughs> it's, it's coming. Um, the outlines. Are, oh are, lordy, it's coming. Yes, uh, but for for this, um, we wanted to yeah. make sure that we we uh, we touched on this. So, and this is important too. It's not like this isn't important. Um, it it just doesn't seem like it's the best timed thing in the world. But the calendar waits for no man. This is true. The calendar is waits true. for no man. That and I don't. I don't. Recent events aren't going away anytime soon. Nope, unfortunately. <laughs> this, this is just. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's important to address all things absurd, and that means that you can't just talk about what's what's the the uh, recency bias. Um, you have to talk about things that also, you know, are are affecting things, and it may not it may not be what's dominating the news cycle, um, but they're still important, and hopefully this will help somebody. Um, who's struggling with the same issue um, of addiction, you know? Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I, I think, I hope that this, here's our goal. Our goal is kind of, uh, I think, twofold. Um, so number one, I, I, I think we want to talk about or, and educate a little bit on drug uh, addiction and what that looks like. And then we also want to, um, we want to talk about how to better walk alongside someone who is um, who is addicted yeah. and, yeah. uh, that underneath that also falls prevention and how do we create an environment that, that does not lead to, um, to drug addiction. And yeah. yes, the old adage is still super, super true. Like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of recovery. I, th I think, <laughs> I think that's it. Now that I said it, I'm a lot of like, is that how it goes? Um, I don't know. Those, those, remains those measurements are also, uh, <laughs> weirdly, uh, a centimeter Disturbing. Yeah. of <laughs> yeah, no, I know. prevention um, is worth the, a kilometer um, of no, recovery. I, yeah. um, I myself, um, in just the last, I would say, six years probably, seven years, um, I've lost two people that I would have, that I did consider close to me at one point or another in my life. Um, I did lose them both to overdose. Um, not they don't know each other. There was no like connection yeah, between no the two. They happened yeah. years apart. It wasn't the same um, crew. Correct. Um, but I myself have lost two friends to overdose uh, just in the last decade, um, whether through intentional use or through deception, which means that they bought one thing but were given another. Um, what's interesting to me about that too is there's all these myths around Halloween, like someone's putting weed in the uh, in 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 the in the candy, and they're gonna or like needles in in the candy to to get you and to get your kid addicted to drugs. Um, so like, and it's so cannot. like a that's just bad investment for a drug dealer because the kid's not gonna know which like which person they got that candy from. A to go back to them and now become a buyer. Also, it's a child. 
Um, but B, the like it always happens to drug users who are going to buy, and usually it happens because the drug that they're the drug that they buy is more expensive than some synthetic fake or yeah. some like mix that is that saves them money on what you've actually bought. So let's say they, you know, um, I, I'll put it this way. Um, if you wanted to buy cocaine, um, it's cheaper for a drug dealer to put, to mix cocaine with, you know, I don't know, any other powdered substance because now they're only, they're selling, they're actually letting go of less of their product. Like that's the whole thing there. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's actually to people, drug buyers and users that that happens to, not really just random people. Right. Yeah. I'll, I would say almost never. Yeah. It, um, and there, there have been stories there have here been and there. Some, but, and, but, but now we're finding out, and I think this is the thing that really bugs me um, about growing up in the 90s. One of the many things that bugs me about it. There were so many myths about drug use. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, drug use is a thing, but... Not like it was back in the 90s for kids that, you know, were born in 2000, you know, um, or, or past. I say kids, you know, jokingly, like you're 20 now. You're not a yeah. kid. You're, you're an adult. But um, for you guys who were kids um, in the early 2000s, like you don't know what it was like. The, the fear of possibly getting addicted and only once and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, that's all true. But like the few stories or, you know, the evidences that they had, like, we all, you know, look back down and are like, yeah, that was a like a one-off or two-off or they were doing a lot of drugs beforehand. Like, Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, look at this celebrity. They died and they only used it once. It was like, oh, no, 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 no. You found out about it once. Yeah. Yes. They were using it a lot before that. But there's a, know? there's a, it's one of um, Chris Farley's last interviews or last oh, appearances goodness. on, I think yes. it was Leno. Or Letterman? I think it was Letterman. May have been Letterman. Anyway, he's clearly, uh, like, he, his nose starts bleeding, I'm pretty sure, at one point in the actual interview that you can watch. Um, it, you know, it... You it's can just, tell. It, yes. He's just um, really amped. But unfortunately, I think, uh, especially within Christianity, uh, addiction is, in general, is highly stigmatized. Um, and we tend to vilify... Look, I, I, I'm not saying... And and let me be clear. It's stigmatized, but it's not stigmatized correctly. Yeah. Um, that's the yeah. way I would say this. So addiction is bad. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we can we can agree on that. I'm not I'm not not at all saying addiction isn't bad. What I what I am saying is addiction isn't itself the problem. It is usually the result or or, or caused by another problem. Right? So um a lot has to go wrong before a situation ripe for a drug overdose even occurs, right? With someone who's addicted to a drug, usually it isn't just once. They've been doing it for a yeah. while and something yeah. builds up or they relapse and go back to the dosage that they that they last used, even yeah. though their body lost the tolerance. And like, a, but a lot goes wrong. A right. lot has to go you, wrong you leading to that. don't just wake up one day and are like, I'm going to start shooting horse. Like, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it just doesn't. You don't go straight to hard heroin. And I would, and I would argue too, you know, because overdoses also happen in the cases of suicide with medications. Yeah. Even then, even then, no, like prescribed yeah, medication. Yes, it, it's not even. It, this is one of the situations where once again a lot goes wrong before someone gets to the point where they think that that's the way out. Yeah. Um. So, 
and it becomes increasingly difficult if we do have, if we don't understand how addiction works and mental yeah. illness works in general, yeah. uh, it, it becomes increasingly difficult to see the person beyond their drug addiction for a lot of people. Um, I've struggled with this in other areas, not, not necessarily drug addiction, but I've struggled with getting over my own hate or resentful, you know, resentful heart, uh, for someone who is, you know, who constantly was doing something, um, that was mental harmful. illness related yeah, and harmful. Yeah. And it, it does no matter what become increasingly difficult to, to see the person beyond that. Um, I fully recognize that I've lived through it and, um, it is difficult, but at the same time it's necessary. So, yeah. um, it, it, it's best to say like, we are more than the sum of our actions, but we are all like, we are not more than the sum of our actions, if that makes sense. Or, or sorry, uh, you can't separate your actions from yourself. Like you can't be like, yes. well, he's such a good kid. Like, no, he stabbed a dude to death. That's not the only thing he is, but you can't separate that. Yeah. Like, like well, and there's, there was a, um, speaking to the Kyle Rittenhouse issue, which he's the 17 year old kid who drove 30 miles to Kenosha, Wisconsin to, um, join in on militia, militiamen in, in the protest and he ended up shooting two people um and injuring uh, for, a third yeah, say, and yeah. injuring a third killing but two. like killing two and, and injuring a third um but the new york post basically the same day puts out an article that shows him cleaning graffiti off of a school like that's the picture they ran as opposed to others running uh pictures of him carrying a gun or um with a bunch of blue lives matter well, I've, stuff. I've been and told it's, blue it's not a gun. It is a, a firearm. Rifle. Yeah, yeah I, a it, firearm. A firearm. Uh, okay, fine. Um, the people. Oh, I, I can't. Tony's thinking he shot at someone right now. I am very um, much sub, but like subtweeting in a podcast. That's um, that's that's one thing that they're trying to do, which you can't. You cannot separate the act. Like right. he's, they're trying yeah. to say he's he's this, and we should be sympathetic to. But you can't. You can't separate it. You can't separate either. And and I'm not saying that we ignore the fact that he was cleaning up graffiti. Um, I'm saying that one action is clearly worse than the other here. Yeah. And the you are not the sum of your actions, but you can't separate you can't either separate end. It. Yeah. So um, in our show notes, just so you know, um, we're not going to get super 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 detailed. Neither of us have like a degree in this stuff. Um, as far as the specifics regarding overdoses. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, uh, if you go to, I think it's overdoseday.com, um, we've included links uh, to that and to helpful resources. They have fact sheets that you can yeah. print out that help you spot overdose. Um, they uh, spot an overdose and actually yeah. help someone who is in the yeah. process of an overdose. Um, and I'll get into a little bit of that later. But yes, we've included um, all of that and Some a link links. to a super awesome TED Talk where um, where a guy talks about... Um, one of the potential causes for addiction yeah. um, and one of the motivators for it um, and in, in regard to community. So uh, just something to help uh, kind of shape the narrative, something to help not, I mean, not shape the narrative, but help us reframe the narrative. Um, well, Cause we want like what we're, what we're intending to do with this episode and, and kind of with this whole podcast is, is to, start discussion to bring up education, right? Specifically today on drug addiction, on addiction in general, um, for people who are, who want to help, um, for people who are struggling yeah. with it. Um, that's, our, that's our hope. 
and and for someone who might possibly in the future, you know, get prepared because if you if you're not dealing with it now, you're going to be dealing with it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope that this this everything that happens from here on out is helpful to you, regardless of what position yeah. uh, you are in. Though I will say this is probably going to be a little bit more geared toward people who are trying to support uh, someone right. who is addicted. Um, but I would say. This as well. If you don't know of anyone who's addicted, um, which chances are you probably you do. do to something. You might not. Um, yeah. Then I would. But even if you feel like this isn't relevant to you right now, pocket it. You put put this information in the tool belt and so that you can employ it later. Well, I would be surprised if people listening to this end up recognizing someone in their life yep. that has an addiction because like because of this episode. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think um, that will help significantly uh for those who do uh or or who are able to identify yeah. that you know like it, this is one of those things where it, the best time to set boundaries for example is not in the relationship it's uh for your own personal boundaries what's too yeah. far for you it's before you it's get before. into one it's before the best time to prepare to deal with something like addiction in your life with not a friend is not in the moment it's before it even happens and addiction is one of those things that's that's is ubiquitous the word i don't know is widespread enough um, and is, is present enough in general life that chances are you're going to run into it. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's like the, well, I'm going to make enough pop references. I won't, I won't reference the vision, but <laughs> so, um, Tony, talk to us a little bit more about what, what addiction actually is. Like what, what do we, how do we define this? What really are we, you know, what really are we talking about when we talk about addiction? All right. So one of the things I think to starting out, cause this is our kind of, MO now. Uh, we want to talk about what it is. So um, I went to the American Psychiatric Association, looked on the website, and this is what they had to say. Oh, I thought like you literally went there. I physically went during a pandemic. <laughs> to, <laughs> this is important enough. Um, breaking in was very difficult to the building, but they were, they were very calm once they realized I was doing it for a purpose. Anyway, so <laughs> this is what they say. Uh, addiction is a complex condition. Uh, complex condition, a brain disease that is manifested by compulsive substance use despite harmful consequence. People with an addiction, severe substance use disorder, have an intense focus on using a certain substances such as alcohol or drugs to the point that it takes over their life. They keep using alcohol or a drug even when they know it will cause problems. So what was awesome about that, now this is specifically talking about substance use, um, but what's awesome about that is, th is that idea of like Compulsive use despite harmful consequences, right? Um, it, it, that intense focus, I think, is huge. Because when you understand what it is, it's, it's not, there's no distracting. You know what I mean? I have ADHD, so I know there are a lot of times in my life where it's like I have to mm -hmm. um, either distract myself or, you know what I mean? Like if you get focused, like if you deal with anxiety at all, especially if you have ADHD, like you get hyper-focused and you're like, you have to distract yourself because there's sometimes you just, like the bad thoughts are just staying there. There's yep. no like... The problem with ADHD then, is is that like, it's not that you can't focus, it's that you can't regulate your focus yeah, intentionally. there's no middle ground. Yeah, there's no middle ground. Either you're hyper-focused or you can barely focus at all and you're not always in control of when one or the other happens. Yeah, I, and I've been able to modify it to a degree, but there are certain times aka when I have, you know, I'm having an anxiety attack, when I, you just, the bad thoughts are, I mean, they're literally, it's just like you're spiraling and you can't, and so you have to try to distract yourself, right? Um, and people will try all kinds of 
numbing agents. Now, what's interesting is I'm not talking about drug addiction as a numbing agent for anxiety. What I'm saying is addiction is the same way. There is no distracting. That's the only thing you can think about. It's like being mm. thirsty, really, really thirsty. The, like, the only thing you think about is water. You could pass like a pile of gold, but if you are thirsty, like you don't care about that. You know what I mean? Um, or if you're, I hate to bring this up, but like if you're drowning and you need air, it, it, you don't care about buried treasure at that point. You're like, I need oxygen right now. Yeah. That, that, that level of focus is what addiction, um, is like. Well, and I, 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 um, I won't say love, but I appreciate here the use of the word, uh, disease and specifically brain disease. Yeah. Um, the... You know, the, the issue that I that I've had for the last several years that, that people know about is my back. I've talked about it a lot. And most yeah. recently, I've been yeah. having nerve issues in both of my arms. Um, the you were on your last nerve. Yeah. Uh, and I've had to pretty much change up the entire way. I basically live my life and exist, whether it's driving the way I drive a car, the way I sit at a desk, yeah. what mouse and keyboard I use. Every, like I sleep with a wrist brace, all, the, all like all this stuff has happened. But the problem is that both of those things are still invisible. It's not like I'm missing an yeah. arm. Yeah. So when I tell, you know, when, when at work, if we have to lift something heavy and I have to go, I literally, I can't, yeah. I can't lift you, the thing that you're doing. Seemingly healthy. Yes. Adult uh, if male. you just see me. Yeah. And and the problem is I do want to push through the pain, which is there twenty four seven, right? So, um, I I may push through the pain on occasion or do something, and they think, see, you're fine, you're you know, and I'm like, no, actually, I'm at my yeah. limit right now, yeah. like, yeah, um, but it's invisible to them. Every every fiber of my <laughs> my body is screaming at me at this moment. Yeah. Yes, and and it it becomes hard because then they start to think like I'm a boy who cried wolf, yeah. or yeah. and and I'm not saying my coworkers have. Um, I don't know if anyone, any of them even listen to this, but, about that, but like, yeah. that's a constant fear that I have is that they're, they don't believe me. They think I'm just trying to get out of hard work or whatever. And in reality, I literally just can't do the things that I used to be able to do. Yeah. And for, for addiction, for addiction, it is a disease that is invisible as far as it's like, I, it's visible in like, you, like other than meth addicts, you don't really see it. Yeah, unless like it really has started to leak into yeah. their daily life. Yeah. But what I'm saying is For most what people, you don't see is the intense battle or struggle that they have in even trying to resist yeah. it. Yeah. You don't see any of that take place. It's all and going so in the, in the head. One of the worst things is that addiction, one of the worst beliefs that you can have when trying to help someone with an addiction is um, is is it's by considering it power. a choice. Yeah. yeah and like yeah. you just need to choose or have faith um, anything like no that Apple, is a complete misunderstanding of yeah. how, um, is, is how we don't do that with any other disease that I'm aware. Like we don't do that with, with cancer. We don't do that with, um, heart disease. We don't do that with a broken arm. Um, you know, a broken, a, a broken bone. Uh, but with addiction, because we see it more as choices and someone may have to go to great lengths in order to accomplish the same thing. Um, the, we, we see, we see the way that addiction manifests as a personal choice rather than as symptoms of a disease. What's interesting to me is if someone's born without arms and they learn to weave baskets with their feet, we, we not undeservedly so, but we champion that person and say like, oh, that's so awesome. Look at what they're able to do. And yet there are people who were born with severe mental health disorders that we just are like, well, just 
don't be that way. And it's like, why you don't say the same thing to the guy who's born without arms. They're born mm-hmm. with the same thing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But that that idea of like, it's a disease. It's not, there's, there's this, I, like I say, ADHD is very, very similar. When I have, I have selective hearing, not because I don't want to hear you. Like, it's not like I'm deaf in one ear and I just choose to like lean that way. My brain doesn't work that way. Now, I can mm. train it, and I have been trained. I spent years attempting to train it that way, but it's like there are times where I just can't. I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I can't get it done. This is not going to happen. And it's despite my best efforts. And that's actually a big thing with ADHD is that our our brains um, have a lot more trouble producing the same amount of dopamine. Exactly. You know, in a, in this, if, if everything in a situation is exactly the same, We're gonna Tony and I that. are going to struggle yeah. uh, compared to a person without ADHD. Uh, because their brain will regulate and release dopamine regularly, you know, with any sort of activity. For us, it it takes more. Yeah. Um. And I would actually say that that is why I I don't know if there's any studies on this. I I think this is the first time I've really thought about this connection. But I I, I think that would be why an ADHD person might be more prone to an addiction because basically anything that does give the dopamine kick and release becomes something that that we uh, we basically run to. Uh, and it takes well, it, more de- and more to get the same result. Yeah, it's definitely why most people who have ADHD are procrastinators because your body's naturally trained to wait for that adrenaline of I got to yep. get this paper done in six hours, and, and then, then you're, you're done able and to hyper focus, like, yep. and you're able to to use that, um, and then you get the dopamine from that, and and it and it naturally trains your brain. So I, you know, I've had to work on do a, do an hour of this, and then try to get the same level of dopamine from that, and be like, yay, I am happy, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You so to, you have to reward yourself. Um, it's a crazy thing. And so when you talk about addiction, the reason why I bring that up, and, and we're going to talk about you know ment- mental health disorders later, but the reason why I bring that up is because it's it's not it's a disease. That's what the American psychiatrist. That's why I use that. Now that oh, I'm going to put the hopefully put the link in the show notes. I don't yeah, we put will too much. Yep. But you know, read this article that they have. Um, because it specifically talks about what addiction is, and it goes through and it just tells you. It does a lot of what like we're talking about. It does so in in um, more medical language. I think we do a better job of kind of explaining it in in not layman's terms per se, but like words yeah. that we would use in normal life. Um, but what they do explain is like th- this is th- they verify like what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know that this is a disease. So the second thing I want to look up, which is important, is from Psychology Today again. Another um, article I want to kind of put up there it says this a person with an addiction uses a substance or engages in a behavior for which the rewarding effects provide compelling incentive to repeat the activity despite detrimental consequences so this is what i was talking about when i said with the adhd i had this in mind because i say the reason why we procrastinate a lot of times now we don't actually procrastinate to for the record we get stuff done by the deadline but for normal people we're putting it off to the last minute yeah right um, and we do do that. We do put it off to the last minute. And the reason we do this is because you get that dopamine rush. You, you know, we're a little bit of adrenaline junkies. Um, despite the negative behavior, despite the effect of lack of sleep, despite the fights that I have and the, and the grumpiness and mm. the uh, anger at myself and the continual, why did I get myself in this situation again? How am I, you know, how do my seven projects do in the next five days like i do this every time how do why do i do it? it's because my brain receives a reward 
and it says, I want this again. So I am going to subconsciously often set this up so that I have this again. Yep. And it's like, I will find myself being like, why haven't I done this? And it's yeah. because my brain is like, oh, yeah, like you could do that or you could go on Twitter. The amount of times I think that I've said in my life, I'm not going to let that happen again. I can't. That <laughs> and phrase. It does. Um, that phrase. Yeah, that phrase feels like but, my biggest enemy. So so I, anything can be an addiction. That was the other thing I wanted to read about this is it's not just substances, right? Behavior is also a huge addiction. I was talking to uh, when I went to Hawaii, I lived in Hawaii for a year. And the guy who was there, he talked about how surfing is an addiction. It's a big addiction. And he said, the reason why is because it's an inconsistent payoff. Mm -hmm. You're chasing. You are chasing. You can surf all day and never get a good wave. Not even like that you ride it well. Like you never get a, a wave to ride well. Then you can surf for five minutes one day, get the best wave of your life and ride it through. And it's, and it's amazing. You get a physical high, you know, like mm -hmm. the runner's high from working out. Um, you're out in nature is usually clean air. Um, you get a high from it. And so you get the high with the inconsistent path. He goes, it's actually very addicting. He warned me going into this, like the second day we went, he didn't do it the first day, which was interesting, but he warned me the second day. He goes, just so you know, and he was being serious. Like he wasn't joking. He wasn't like, Hey, you might get addicted. He's like, no, you, you might get it. You probably will get addicted to this. Just so you know, if you do this, with any kind of consistency, you will get addicted. Um, and to be fair, I actually really did. I did it basically <laughs> every day for six months. Um, and I miss it. Like, I can't tell you how hard it's been being landlocked for the last majority of 10 years. Like, no, it has been 10 years. Holy cow. It's been 10 years. And, and, and it's mm. so hard because there are literally days where I'm like, ah, like I get itchy yep. because I want to go out and do it. Yeah. Um, so you have, uh, tons of behaviors that do that, right? Tattoos, gambling, video games, um, uh, board games. Um, it sounds ridiculous, but anything that has that kind of inconsistent payoff, yeah, um, it it it's addicting, and they're designed that way. Mm -hmm. Books can be addicting. Books, oh my goodness. Um, people Don't are very much books. addicted. Um, and uh, hidden codes and messages, conspiracy theories. I yep. uh, the get rush addicted. of. Yep. The, I I would actually classify that within the addiction realm, YouTube, depending on how media. someone is. Yep. Social um, media. Yep. Same thing. I mean, it's all that idea of behavior. Like, so you t you talk about a drug bender. Uh, you know, people go out on a bender and and you know they they spend an entire night out or uh, you know days at a time. Yeah. That's what people do with conspiracy theories, or you know they they go down this big yeah. rabbit hole and feel 100%. like hundred percent. Yeah, it's the same thing, and, just well, not drugs. I, I can't tell you the amount of times in college where there was a weekend and I realized like I just spent the weekend watching dumb YouTube videos or whatever. With my, not even like Netflix or sh like just dumb YouTube videos all night. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? On Same a Saturday deal. night, instead of going out, instead of living life, we just did this dumb thing and we just kept going and going. It's designed that way. So to me, I think this is important for us to understand. Addictions overwhelm the consequences of the actions. Mm -hmm. This is what you need to understand about addictions. Um, I don't like using the phrase addict, and they don't use it anymore, which is great. Because yeah, well, um, I'll it, talk about that a little bit. It's not the person. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. But addictions overwhelm. It's not that you're not aware of it. Okay. You can actively not want to do it. Like the amount, like I always imagine people crying when they do that. Right. You know, because there are a lot of people that literally do it against their will. 
but that addiction overwhelms the consequences. It overwhelms yep. the shame afterwards, the pain it causes. You you are so overwhelmed by this need, by this desire, this this you know pathos that you cannot. You can like the consequences don't matter. Yeah. It does not matter how many times I go to jail. It does not matter how many people I hurt. I have to get this. I have to do it. Yep. Um so so let's let's shift gears. Um and um we're gonna take one step back now. Now that we know what addictions are and and um some of the kind of telltale signs yeah. regarding or the, the way that we should consider them. I, I, I want to shift in talking about why people get addicted in the first place. How do we, because this is important. Yeah. Um, because it turns out, uh, so if you listen to, I think it's episode 136 from us where we talk about Ahmad Arbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned was, uh, that it is important to have the uncomfortable conversations at the dinner table with your racist uncle. Yeah. Like it is important to call that out when you see it in friends and loved ones. This is going to be an interesting Thanksgiving. And, tell you that much. Yeah. And, um, one of the reasons being that McMichaels and even Amy Cooper with uh, with uh, yeah. Christian Cooper in, yeah. in Central Park the same day as the George Floyd shooting, um, both of those were instances where something triggered and their their prejudice, their internal unconscious biases or prejudices, maybe they were conscious of them, uh, were out. weaponized. Yeah. And who knows how many conversations, it's not that your conversation is going to be the one that changes everything, but it's that every little conversation you have with someone who displays that uh, chips away at the wall um, and chips away at it so that over time those aggregate and who knows how many family members and friends saw those attitudes and prejudices in the McMichaels and didn't say anything because they wanted to keep the peace that could have served in preventing. Now, does that make the McMichaels any less responsible? No. But what that does say is that there's something that we can do that can help prevent those future things from happening and those future occurrences from happening. And so I want to talk about why people get addicted in the first place, because there's a lot of here. There's a lot of things here that that we can be aware of and that can help us prevent yeah. those addictions. Yeah. Um, Cut it off of the past. And the first thing I'll say is this uh, loneliness. Uh, loneliness weakens boundaries. So it, when I say boundaries, um, think people say self boundaries. Self boundaries. Um, so these are things like I'd, I would never do X, Y or Z. Or I'm not going to. I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z. Loneliness, or even I would add, you know, the the um, the desire for approval, the desire for for yeah. Or a lot of young girls struggle with this one. You know, the same kind of thing is that desire for attention or that desire to to uh, be seen or to be loved um, leads them to do a lot of things that they know. And they feel like they, they shouldn't be doing. They don't want yeah. to do. They're uncomfortable doing. But they, but, they but get they, pressured into correct because they want it. And and loneliness weakens boundaries. And so a desperation for community and friends will tempt us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. If I normally wouldn't do X, Y, or Z, I mean, I that was where where I got tempted with drugs. And I've never done drugs. Never never taken a sip of alcohol. I'm I'm really proud of those two things just for myself. Um, and I, for it's not just like, oh, wow, look at me. I didn't do that. There's some personal reasons that I, I can't yeah, share that yeah. are why I'm proud of that. Personal victories. Um, but the, the, the reality is there were times where I was tempted um, because if, if everyone around me was doing it or that was the way to connect with people, my loneliest time in my life was my early 20s, um, just after college in an, in an area or living in a city where I didn't know anyone. 
and all of the social things that I could find for adults all happened at breweries and bars. And, you know, there was like a weekly kickball league. And every time afterwards, you went out and got drinks with everyone. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I was really tempted because I wanted friends. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. So loneliness weakens boundaries. So that that would be the first thing I would say um, is their desire for, for community and for friends and for people for love and acceptance uh, will lead them into something, which means that your ability to, or your willingness to welcome and accept someone has a lot more power than you think. Um, the second is um, accidental. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, someone could take a post-op, you know, surgery, painkillers, things like that, or after bad car accidents, yeah, um, yeah. things like that. Uh, they take those prescriptions either outside of a doctor's instructions or even in some cases on doctor's orders and end up um, and end up going too far. And I would say 99.9% .9 of the time they did something that they weren't supposed to do with it. Um, and that's, you know, it, that's just the reality. But um, it, this is, it's, it can be very much accidental that someone gets addicted to painkillers yeah. and pain meds. I had a friend who the same thing happened to him um, after a string of bad car accidents. And, um, it was, it was really sad to watch it manifest, uh, unfortunately. Now he, I think has conquered it since then as far as, uh, as far as gotten the help he needed and, and was able to, um, is, has been able to stay sober, but yeah, it, it, like that's accidental is real. And, um, it, it's sad that that's, that, that happens, but it, but it's there. Um, Another, I don't know, do you have something to add here? You were... No, no, no. Okay, no, cool. No, um, I mean, it's uh, not not that you didn't already say. Like, Okay, it's, cool. Yeah. Um, the other one is depression, um, coping mechanisms, environment. Um, so uh, basically, addiction and drugs become a coping mechanism, alcohol as well, um, coping mechanism for, um, for hiding from pain or from enduring difficult, you know, for enduring difficult situations. Um, we, we hide in something. And and this is the more popular view that we like, oh, yeah, you know, he's running away from the world. It's an escapism. But it really is. Like, yep. Well, I, look at the. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 OK. Go ahead. Um, I don't know if you've if you've seen uh, Caliphate, the podcast Caliphate scene heard. Heard of it. Yeah. Um, so episode two goes into they're They're interviewing um, a dude that actually was recruited by ISIS that lives in Canada. And they talked to him about yeah, yeah, yeah. how he was recruited. And he talked about being lonely and going online and finding community there that um, that that welcomed him, that loved him. And then it was after that they had loved and accepted him that they were able to then indoctrinate him into because he didn't want to lose the community that he had this this loving community that he had found and not knowing they were ISIS before. And so. Um, this this kind of goes both ways now, especially with the Internet. If your environment is terrible, I know a lot of kids um, will hide in video games or will hide online in in on Reddit or forums or wherever uh, because they don't want to they want to drown out the sound of their parents arguing or abuse happening or um, drown out the bullying that follows them home now because everyone has cell phones, which means that the bullying doesn't stop when the final school bell rings. Um, you know, the the, the they want to hide from all of that and then they end up going online and that loneliness then has weakened their boundaries and now they become addicted to something happening there. Like it's just this whole mess and mix of things. Like these are not all mutually exclusive. These work together yeah. um, in many yeah. cases. Um, but yeah. And then the last one is just honest mistakes in their childhood. 
maybe they were lonely in their child. They made a mistake or they, you know, they, they made a decision that wasn't the best and they were children. They were, they were teenagers, whatever. And now they're paying the consequences still for it later in life. Um, and, and as a result, so are their loved ones, friends, family members, you name it. Um, but that like, those are some of the, the, those are, I think the, the four ones that I would, uh, that I would specify here. There are more obviously. Um, but I think those, I think those are the, the, the main ones, the big ones. Um, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to see a lot of these, um, especially I think the, the mistake, like the honest mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I feel like a lot of those honest mistakes go back to that first one, that desire for, for community. Um, because he had this like, oh, he was a good, like he came from a perfect family and how could he do this thing? You know, it's like, well, he was raised in, you know what I mean? Like a yeah. suburban area where the only way to express yourself was to go hang out with, you know, the guys over here and they were using drugs. You know what yep. I mean? Like they were using substances or, or they, you know, were part of a quote unquote yeah. gang or whatever. Um, you're, you're, they're searching for something. And, and remember, if you're, it's, it's even simple as personality. If you're an extroverted kid in an introverted household or vice, well, vice mm-hmm. versa, it's a little bit easier, but if vice, you know, if you're, if you're needing community, if that's one of your love languages, you know, words of, words of affirmation, mm-hmm. um, you know, touch, quality time. Uh, if those are things that you desire, that you need, and that's not what you're receiving at home, you're going to go to a place where you're going to get that. And if the way that they initiate themselves is with destructive, um, you know, behavior, you're gonna you're gonna get addicted. Yep. Well, and and I think you you've touched on something here that I that, that is a really good segue, uh, which is I want to talk about some myths and yeah. truths. And, w- and one of the myths that I think is. Um, that you just made me think of, but I think we really need to, we just need to get rid of that is that idea of the perfect family. Right. Can we just stop assuming that someone has a perfect family? There is no normal. Uh, there is no normal. The normal is that, that no one yeah. is normal. Like dysfunction is, um, is normal. And not only that, like the understanding that your upbringing does not always, is not always a one-to-one correlation or causation At to all. who you will become or what you will do. Me- mental disorders are no respecter of persons. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best and kindest, most loving and most balanced pastors I have met have kids that you wouldn't believe. And they can't ever tell their church members about it. They can't ever tell anyone about it because if anyone knew, then there's no way that they could ever, um, if, if their kid has a drug addiction that they had no control, like that, that they as a parent had no control over it happening or, or manifesting, um, then the, like, like they went with yeah. friends or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, the honest mistake, for example. Right. Um, like, or, or even leaders can't. That need, yeah. Yeah, that, leaders that are, can't open struggling. up because they have yeah. the perfect yeah. family. They're yeah. supposed to have this perfect family. Well, there are two things summer camp taught me, man. I've worked, I've, I've been involved in summer camp for over 10 years now. Number one, sometimes you understand kids because of the parents. And sometimes you understand parents because of the kids. Yep. Like, you, you like. Absolutely. Some of the best parents were like, and they have just demon child, just an absolute demon child. They're, you know, yeah. just 
acting out, causing problems. You're like, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like you actually watch. And, and for me, I was lucky enough in a couple instances, like to the parents were there all summer. Like I watched how they parented their child and I'm like, okay, like even when they weren't in public, you know what I mean? I got to see them in, in intimate settings where they really weren't aware that I was uh, uh, in the audience. So, you know, it's kind of one of those like, you know, oh, well, everyone is, you know, in front of someone and you see the way and it's like, no, they're 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 as close to perfect parents as possible and the kid's just terrible. Yep. And then you have this kid that is just struggling and, and just acting out. And then you see the parents and you're like, oh, so it, it is no, some people are stuck in addiction despite their parents. Some people are stuck in addiction because of their parents. But this idea that, oh, well, it's a perfect family and just telling them, you know, yep. stop or threatening them, that'll work. Like, no, it does mm -hmm. not work that way. Yep. And so um, another another myth is uh, just telling someone to stop or threatening them with enough consequences is going to work. Right. Yeah. If you do this one more time, I'm gone. If you do this one more time, I'm I'm out, which they're like that can serve as a powerful it's motivator, a yeah. like as far as like telling them to stop. And it can be a wake up call to some who don't who haven't yet realized the destructive nature of what they're doing. Um, but to to think that that's going to be enough is is in the vast majority of cases i would say that doesn't work it actually does the opposite it does the opposite um because now out of the fear of ruining like if their normal coping mechanism is drugs and you've given and you've told them that you've given you've put them in a situation where now they are feeling hurt they or fear less, or scared less community less support yep, then they're going to run to the thing that they've used to cope for all that time and and i've actually seen that happen before where then they people roll their eyes and go oh of course that's what they're going to do. And it's like, no, that's, that's, you put them there. Yep. Absolutely. I, I, and look, drug addiction is a disease that fundamentally changes how the brain works. Fundamentally. Um, it, it challenges, literally, this is, this is a direct quote. It challenges self-control and the ability to resist urges. And I would say that the, the, the failure of the drug war is largely in part to this myth. Because most of the time, uh, we've already said, punishing and uh, punishing someone who is addicted doesn't make any impact on where the actual problem is. So the drug war is just like people are doing drugs. Let's put them in jail. We fought. Um, the, we fought the dealers. Uh, it was the oh, it's the you know let's let's we have to stop Colombia. So you know let's pay the Colombian government to stop. The, but there's always going to be mm -hmm. another pipeline if there's a reason to use well, it. Well, I think COVID-19 is actually a perfect example of, ah, of yes. attacking a symptom uh, because you either don't know or don't care. To, like COVID is, we don't know how to get rid of the virus. Specifically, we don't know how to actually um, actually get people through um, that as far. We just, there, there's we don't a, know enough about yeah, it. Yeah. We basically try and fight the symptoms off and hope that something works out um, because we don't know enough about it. But with addiction, we actually do know quite a bit about it. And we do know the things that 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 can work for it, uh, but instead we'd rather sit here and just try and manage the cough. Like it's now the drug. against if you if you. I mean, prohibition. The whole concept. Yep. We know prohibition doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work, and yet we still try to do it. We're like, well, weed has to be illegal. I can't believe they're making weed legal. Like, dude, we made alcohol illegal in this country, and you know what happened? Crime went up. That's the only like. <laughs> People didn't stop drinking. 
No. They just went to jail. The, if you're seeing the drug as the as the problem, it is a part of the problem, but yeah. it's not the problem. The, people will find either a way to get it or a way to get something mm -hmm. similar to it. The problem is that we also, for the same reason that we get addicted, for the dopamine hit and whatever, it's more rewarding and immediately gratifying to do something that has a visible impact, like removing drugs, like telling them to stop or, or, or you know, venting that anger and frustration out. Um, it looks better for politicians to do it that way because they're, it's the easy, it's the low hanging fruit of oh, yeah. like, yeah, just get them away from drugs, which actually for in some addicts cases can actually be the thing that kills them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, and, and so I would say the, the second here thing is, uh, stopping the drug use will stop the problem. Yeah. Stopping. Yeah. Um, so this is a quote from drugabuse.gov. Um, and it says combining addiction treatment medicines, so combining addiction treatment medicines with behavioral therapy ensures the best chance of success for most patients. Treatment approaches tailored to each patient's drug use patterns and any co-occurring medical, mental and social problems can lead to continued recovery. So essentially, here, here's the sad reality of addiction. It's not a short term. Take yeah. take this antibiotic for a week and you're good. Um, it's it's it is years of hard it's work. It's not an infection. No, it's, it's not chlamydia. It's not gonorrhea. It's not the flu. There's no magic pill. No, um, the it is, and every situation or every solution to this has to be tailored to each person's specific needs because yeah. you're not you're not just doing away with the drugs. You're also doing away with the thing that drives someone to drugs. So you're dealing with uh, behaviors. Like you're dealing with deep rooted history issues. You're de you're yeah. You're dealing with all of these things to help undo. Um, and, and, and kind of restore someone to a, pl a place where the drugs aren't even, uh, aren't really needed. And then you're basically removing all the emotional stuff so that all you have to deal with is the chemical and, and kind of brain rewiring that drives someone, which can be done. Um, it's funny with celebrities, everyone thinks that, oh, they go to rehab just because they're a bad per like, no, you know why someone's a, a celebrity? I don't mean a performer. A celebrity. Someone's a celebrity because something deeply inside them is broken. Something deeply inside them is broken to the point that they need the attention. And most times, mm -hmm. those people that need that attention, they either hate it, but they need it, or they crave it. Yep. Either way, it's going to drive them to some sort of... Yep. Addiction because the, you don't you don't go through what it takes to become a celebrity because you're a healthy person. I mean, there's a joke, right? You don't go into stand-up comedy because you had a happy childhood. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but it's it's the reality, right? Like it's because there are performers. Don't get me wrong. There are just people who love performing, and they're artists and they're awesome. Okay, but the people who become celebrities, it's because they desperately need people to love them, and there's. There's a healing that needs to happen for that brokenness. Yep. And so people don't realize that and they just think like, oh, well, they just need to go to rehab. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> They're only there like their entire life is is yep. a cry well, and not for help necessarily, but it's it's a warning of they're going to be at risk. But I mean, let's if you've ever stood, and this is this is a really difficult thing for pastors, especially if you've ever stood in front of an audience that has given you an applause. That that feeling right oh, there yes. is very dangerous and addictive. Um, the the love of a crowd, the adoration of a crowd, and of a of a you know 
That's why social media is so big, because anyone can get a following and get that almost on a daily basis with how many likes they get and retweets. How many, and How many box opening? Yeah. Yep. Uh, unboxing or uh, like card pack opening like, or yeah, it's yeah, it's it, it's and, massive and, yet, and you will do it. So um, the other one I want to I want to talk about is actually further down the road. So let's say that you have a someone who's addicted and you have gotten them to, to uh, commit to stopping and they've been doing well for months, even years, maybe we maybe it's just weeks um, and they relapse. Um, and the biggest myth that we can we can say is that uh, relapse means that um, relapse means that that either you failed, they failed, the treatment isn't working, like it, it's all pointless basically. So relapse is a reason for us to essentially give up on the person because they they have fallen back into it. Right? This is this is this myth is driven uh, or, or is is kind of the underpinning here. The thing that causes this myth to be enacted is someone who says, "Do this one more time," and, and I, I will. Yeah. Well, what happens if that person does it one more time, but it's years, you know, years later, months later, but they've been doing well to that point. And we say, well, you know, that's it. You clearly, clearly you don't care. Um, addiction is a medical illness. It is a brain disease, which makes relapse just a symptom or symptom recurrence of addiction. Right. So it's just symptom. The symptom of addiction is what you do in that addiction. Right. So you do drugs. That's the symptom of this addiction two drugs, right? So uh, relapse is just symptom recurrence. It's just getting a cough again or getting a, like, I'm not saying like, that doesn't mean it's not serious. Relapse can be incredibly dangerous if depending on your tolerance level to drugs yeah. prior and yeah. how long it's been. Right. Um, but the reality is like, I have asthma. I've had asthma since I was like three years old. Um, I had to miss class a lot when I was a kid, uh, used a nebulizer a lot. Um, uh, I have to, I care. I have inhalers. I have like one travel inhaler. I have an inhaler in my car. I have an inhaler by my bedside, one in the bathroom. Like I have inhalers everywhere. Um, no one ever has shamed me every time I use my inhaler because my asthma symptoms recurred. Like the worst I've gotten is the nerd joke about asthmatics because of like yeah. pop culture yeah. and media, yeah. movies, things like that. Yeah. <sighs> I can't, I can't um, pocket go protector. Fat. Yeah. yeah. But like no one, no, none of my friends have ever, when I'm struggling with asthma, yeah. like there was one time I ran a mile for PE class and, and it was cold and cold is one of the triggers for me. Um, I finished the mile and I basically just fall almost completely unable to breathe. That's so interesting. Heat, heat. For and me. do you know what everyone did? They didn't go there. He goes Ugh, again. Typical. They gathered around me. It, Granted, then the PE teacher was like, get away from him. He needs, he needs like space. air. Yeah. He needs space. <laughs> um, but then like I had friends. I didn't because I couldn't breathe. I couldn't hold my arms up, which can open up your yeah. lungs. Yeah. And so I had friends that, you know what they did? They held up Literally my lungs. Held your arms up. I, yep. Yeah, they held my lungs. They held up my arms. Like no one has ever shamed me. And yet like treatment of a chronic disease involves changing deeply rooted behaviors. And which means that relapse doesn't mean it's failed. When a person recovering from an addiction relapses, it indicates that the person either needs to speak to their doctor in order to resume treatment. They either need to modify their treatment or try something else. It, you know, a lot of times relapse happens because we let our guard down because we've been doing so well for so long. Yeah. And, and I think we need to normalize. Now, obviously, don't reward it, but normalize it. I mean, it's a part of the recovery process. Yeah. Um, Responding can, in shame to relapse or with shame to relapse yes. only drives them back to it again. Because here's the thing. 
people don't realize new triggers can pop up. Like the human brain and the human character life is not static. Um, as much as we try to be, nothing stays the same. Mm-hmm. So you can get new triggers. Yes, you can and, identify and people, different ones, new ones, things that never you never thought of before. You know, um, um, I, I so for me, was talking about asthma. Um, you know, part of the reason I have to email a professor who very kindly was like, "Hey, I just want to know why everyone's you know doing doing classes remotely," and I'm going to email him and be like, "Hi, I have asthma." You know, like yes, <laughs> let me explain to you. So one of the things for me with asthma, I know when I have a full belly. Um, when I was younger, it was a lot more. So when I have a full belly, um, when I'm exposed to pollens. And if I do heavy um, exercise after eating, mm. any one of those three with heat, um, heat. So it's interesting that you mentioned cold is a trigger. Heat's my trigger for asthma. But I know if I have those certain things, um, it's going to pick up. Little did I know, as I got older, uh, cat dandruff. Yep, same here. Starts to starts to to set it off. So it's not super bad, but I can feel it mm-hmm. start. So if if when I'm staying in a place that has a cat. Um, I don't do these other things that I know might trigger an, an yeah. asthmatic attack. I haven't had one in years. I yep. mean, now they're, they're, more than a decade now, but it's always there. Oh, yeah. It's not mm-hmm. like my asthma went away. I didn't grow out of it. Um, it just got better. It got the symptoms got, yep. you know, less, less severe. And you know what? If someone has a cat, like I have really bad allergies to cats and it does trigger my asthma. It closes yeah. everything up yeah. and uh, fills it. And, and what's sad is it because it fills with mucus in the same tubes that like asthma has issues with air is supposed to like yeah. where air is supposed to go. The inhaler doesn't work because the inhaler is a stairway that opens things up. But if they're already open, they're just clogged. What are you supposed to right? So yeah. I tell people like um, I could never even visit my girlfriend at her house for the first six months of our relationship because there was a cat there. Yeah. And I told her like, I'm sorry, I can't go there because I know the limits that yeah. my chronic disease yeah. and with an yeah. allergy too. Um, I, like I know the limits here. I cannot go there. And she respected that. We always wished it was different, but you know, it, it she respected that. Like you would. Yeah. So I think yes. it's important for us to, um, to, to, we could go off on that tangent for a while, Yeah. But, but I think it's important for us to normalize that idea of, of relapse. It's like, this is not failure. This is a part of the process. Yep. This is a part of the recovery process. And I would say too, um, there's, there's a scary thing that some people are scared. What, well, if we normalize it, it will just encourage those who are, you know, they'll say, well, this is a normal, so I can just relapse. Um, Okay, not destigmatizing it is worse than the temptation of someone, yeah. the, 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 the hypothetical temptation uh, that someone might have to relapse because we've, quote, normalized it, right? The church's biggest failure in regard to depression and suicide is not talking about it because they're afraid that it will trigger more. Like, talk about it and address the problems. Do you remember Josh Hamilton at all? I know you're not that big into baseball, but... um. Josh Hamilton was an outfielder, just an amazing athlete, an incredible athlete um, that was addicted to substances, and he got clean um, and ended up becoming—he was an all-star for the Reds, and then he went to the Rangers, and so he was an outfielder. Relapsed with alcohol. It wasn't drugs this time, but it was with alcohol, and everyone, oh, it's so sad. He's done for. He's whatever. He got suspended. It was a whole thing. Um, and it was considered like a big failure, and it basically was washed out of the league almost, you know, from that day, from that time. Um when I talk about normalizing it, the response of people to that incident wasn't, Hey, you know what? Here's the next step. Like he went so long without, this is great. It was, Oh, well he's back at square one. Yep. 
I, you know, he's, he's still a horrible human being. He tried so hard to not be a horrible human being, but he just is. And, and it was like shocking to me, like even not knowing what I know about addiction now, I'm like, the dude went like eight years with a severe yep. addiction problem without losing it. Playing a competitive sport yep. where you have a ton of injuries, a ton of addictive substances that they'll, I mean, team doctors will pop you if I can, like no big deal. Like yep. they literally have stairs that they can just pop, pop in, um, you know, cortisone shots, like all kinds of stuff that yep. they can do. And he managed to make it, you know, like seven, eight years without going down the tubes. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you know how lonely it gets on the road with no family and yet you're going to treat him like it's horrible. But that's the type of thing. When we say normalize it, I mean, the response to that should have been, how can we continue to help him? Because he's getting better. Like, look how long yeah. it wasn't focusing on success. It was, it was no one, shaming and, and no one looks at a cancer patient who's, who's like had their cancer relapse and, and gone like up oh, there. Well, well, they didn't do enough. Um, I know. Don't, but, don't say no one because there are. <laughs> I, I know, but you know, like some crazy. Yeah, I know, especially health nuts who think it's that, that they like didn't have not eating cheese is omega the, three. Fatty, yeah. yeah. Okay. Except but, for but except for the, except the, for the them. Yes. <laughs> um, would say yeah. No, but it's like no one looks at a, a breast cancer patient. And it's like, well, you should have had a mastectomy. Like that's really your fault for keeping you know the boobs. No. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, and that would be a and you would be rightfully called out for making such a ridiculous statement, and yet we will do this for addiction. Yep, because we don't understand that it's a disease, and so. we don't understand that it's your body. We've talked about this before. It's your body failing you. Correct. A lot of times, this is not a character flaw, and we can talk about more of that later. But the other thing that I think is important is that um, people will either do that thing where they say, "Oh, it's an abject failure," or they'll flip the other way. And this is especially for close family members. Yep, and this is my fault. Yeah, I, I, you know, fault. I should have supported them better. I, yep. It's my responsibility. It is not. No. Like, At the end of the day, this is the responsibility of the person who has the addiction to get the treatment they need. You can't, for someone who does have cancer, you can't go through chemo for them. No, you can support them as no. they go and, through chemo. And you can't even force them to get chemo. No, you can't. It's their choice at the end it of the day. It is their choice. Um, for, for, for someone who is addicted to continue using substances is uh, ultimately... It is not your fault unless you're like the one who put it in their hands. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. unless you're actively like enabling, yeah. enabling yeah. it. Yeah. Sure. But like, the, and yes, there are things and there are responsible things that we can do to help prevent addiction and support loved ones suffering from it. But their life choices and their actions are not uh, our responsibility and we cannot blame ourselves for their. So I would say that as we're supporting people, it's vital that we do have healthy boundaries, yeah. um, things in place uh, that, that, you know, I had, um, there was a family member that used to uh, steal money and you, you know, we slept with doors locked while it's under pillows, things like that because yeah. of, of stealing money. And like, that's the kind of thing when I say a healthy boundary is a boundary. You can do things within reason that can prevent yeah. them from doing X, Y, Absolutely. or Z, but it's not your fault, but it's not your fault you that know, they you, did it. You, and it's, I think it's important. We say that after having that kind of big diatribe about normalizing uh, uh, relapses, because I think there are people out there, um, who are enabling that need to mm -hmm. stop. But more often than not, there are a lot of people that are, you know, they, they feel so guilty either because it's a friend that they wanted to help or something. Yep. Part of normalizing it is also not blaming yourself. That's part of it yep. because there are a lot of people who, who they themselves end up engaging yep. in destructive behavior because 
of the guilt. Well, you want to know the, the most famous place I see this? We're going over everyone, by the way. We're going over time. Yeah. Just, just accept it. Hey, you um, know what? It's, we have yep. two weeks. We're, we're going over time. We love um, the, the most famous way we see this is rape culture and, and with women being blamed because of how they dress for, yeah. Yeah. um, it is not the woman's fault. It was never the woman's fault. She can dress however she likes. And that is not a calling card. Like someone with a sex addiction or, or a power addiction comes over and, and does and takes advantage of someone else against their the, consent. Like that's not the fault of the woman. There are, there are people, I don't want to go too much in the, the, the trigger, but like there are doctors who've gotten assaulted and raped in, in scrubs. Like, Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Do do you understand what like, it, the clothes are a non-factor. Now, I, I okay. Obviously, if you don't get drunk in a club wearing a mini skirt, okay, yeah. yeah. It, it's if you stay at home all day, locked behind your doors, you know, with a firearm pointed at the door. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen to you. A, it still might. Uh, yep. B, they go through a window. It does not. Yeah, it does not matter. That's a non-factor the, as far as responsibility. The biggest lie that we've told women is that, it, or just in general, the biggest lie that we've told, and this goes into telling women and other um, other victims of sexual assault, men um, as well, transgender, you name it. Um, the biggest lie that we've told people is that it is the good person's fault that a bad person did something bad. Yep. Or that that not even just a bad person did something bad, but that someone else did something bad, period. Because I don't want to say someone with a drug addiction is bad. I don't even want to imply that. Um, they are suffering their from actions, a, yeah, that yes. their actions, a, a, the bad actions of somebody else um, are not the responsibility of of the victim. Correct. So just just be aware of all of that. So and and obviously you can do things. You can take certain measures and certain boundaries to protect yourself, but ultimately, it's this illusion of control. Like you can't no control other people, and you're not responsible for. Other and that's people. And you can one do of the do your best. And to that's keep one of the temptations safe. is like we want to blame yeah. ourselves because we want to think for, that there's something we could have done here for addiction, for relapse. You want to mm -hmm. sit there and say like, "Oh, it's my fault," and it, no, it's not your fault. It's 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 a part of the recovery. It's not a good thing. Like like let's be very clear. Like, we are not saying that relapsing is a good thing. That's not. It, it's, it puts you in a bad situation. It can well, lead to further. Yeah. But correct. we are saying that it's not relapse the worst thing. Correct. It's relapse not is not what we, what we thought it was. It's not, you know, you are not a terrible person now. So I think it's important for us to, to remember that. So one of the things I kind of want to talk about um, is understanding that this is a mental disorder, right? Um. When we talk about mental health disorders, we have to always keep a few things in mind. The first thing is that for a lot of people, there is a genetic predisposition for this disorder, right? Um, there are so many people that are born fighting. Yep. They are already fighting. They come out of the gate fighting. Um, and that's that doesn't just include people whose parents were yeah. addicted to substances no. or alcohol while it, it, their baby it, it, was no yeah because because I mean it's it's easy to and I, I hate this term but it's a it's a real term like there's a there's an easy thing to be like oh well of course the crack baby is going to struggle with doesn't it doesn't even have to be that it doesn't even have to be that it, it's simply the mixing the, the the happy accident of genes coming together 
I guess happy may, may not be a good word for that. But but some people are just born with that. Now, here's the other thing. It could also be because of your ancestors, right? Like the, the poor choices of your ancestors affect you. Um, so it, it, especially when it comes to addiction, um, you know, I, I have my, my mom's dad, um, has a to call him grandfather cause I never knew him. He never knew yeah. me, but you know, he died of substance abuse basically, uh, of, of the, the, the results of substance abuse led to what ultimately, um, killed him off what he died of. And so it, you know. I, I have other family members that um, struggle with substance abuse. I mm-hmm. have all of the like on both sides of my family. I yep. have the just genetic Damn. predisposition, so I'm a walking. Well, and, and and think of this: the easiest way to think about this is is through actually a really good friend of ours that we both love and has been on the show before. Uh, but he, like his entire life, um, he gets a sunburn if he even thinks about the sun for too long. Like he he's looked at the moon and come back. And yes. He, 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 he often will tell you that he stood around a campfire at night and somehow got sunburned. Like, like that's how easy he gets sunburned, which means that's, that he that's, has that's to not take a joke, by the way. That's yeah. A real that, story. Yeah. That's a real story. And like, that's the kind of thing that, so he has to take a lot more precautions when he goes out, when he does anything, if he goes to, you know, we went to a water park like once zinc. as, as chaperones for some, uh, for a, for a huge church group of teenagers. And like, we both sat, I sat with him in the shade all day in a, cause A, I didn't really want to ride any rides that day, but B, like I just, uh, he had to be in the shade. Like, so we found shady spot. We actually paid for a, like a little private, like cabana thing. Cabana, uh, nah, nah. Uh, and, uh, but like, Back that's the idea is his entire cabana. life, his family and him have had to take extra precautions when it comes to yeah. going outside or dealing, you know, being outside for a long period of time at the they beach. Are white. Um, and the, and we're not just saying like they're white. No, there. He's yeah, very Blanquito. Um, so th- it's the same thing here. Some people are going to be more predisposed to addiction and uh, maybe even addiction to specific things. Yeah. Versus others. Yeah. Um, and and so you have to understand that when it comes to understanding mental health disorders, some people are already behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Some people start, you know, um, in wrestling, you know, professional wrestling, um. You know, there are certain, and I, I don't know enough about the sport, but I know that there are certain things where you have to start in a position, <clears throat> in a position where you are at a disadvantage. Um, we know that for uh, racing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know NASCAR, whatever. Like whoever takes the pole, they get to start out. So you can start out a race in last place, and there are certain people that have to start out the race in last place. We yep. talk about privilege, and we talk about this in other areas, but there are some people that just start out health-wise in last place. And when it comes to mental health disorders, some people are struggling to get to what we would consider normal. Mm. And this is the thing we have to realize with addiction. Just because you don't find it that appealing or that, you know. So for me, um, you know, there are certain things that I've never found appealing, but there are certain addictive tendencies you know, that yep. I know, like, I, for me, I know gambling for a fact. Mm-hmm. I know gambling for a fact would be something that, so I don't, you know, there are buddies who are like, oh, let's play for nickels. I'm like, I can't, I can't do quarters. I can't do anything because I know for a fact that that is going to be something mm-hmm. that is very addicting and very yeah, hard Let alone any personal beliefs or theology spent, on it. Like, it's just the act itself can be. I spent yep. $60 in an arcade in one sitting one time. 
And that's an arcade. Like that's, that's not arcade. even that's not like there was no return other than the okay. dopamine from playing it. And I don't mean like as an adult. I mean I was like I think twelve or thirteen and I was taking my, you know, uh uh earned money that I worked at, you know, doing like chores and side jobs and and spend sixty dollars of that. So it's like half of what I make in yep. a year. Okay. So I I know that that's something that so you just have and and it's just because of the way that my brain is, yep. is function. So you have to understand when coming to mental illness. The other big thing that's important is that it's not a weakness. This is not a weakness. They are not weak character. They are not weak people. Sometimes the strength it takes just to get to the point where you might be is stronger than you will ever be, mm -hmm. more mentally strong than you will ever be in your life. And it's very important to realize that because sometimes we look at people and go, oh, they just, they just gave up. And I know people in my life that are not mentally strong. Yep. That they will break at the slightest amount of pressure. And I know people in my life that have gone through incredible amounts. I mean, honestly, Becker, you're one of them. Like the, the, I have watched you struggle with, with back pain and all this different stuff for years. To me, I know that you're going to be able to go through some stuff. I know you're going to be able to do that. Yeah, and tenacity so me, is present. Yeah, like it, it's amazing to me to know the the mental strength you have. And I actually like to, for me, I'm like I, you know, I want I I strive to be mentally strong the way you are. And I know that there are other people in my life that if they were to get this, you know, hey, you've been through through some stuff too. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. But you know, like if McDonald's runs out of you know egg McMuffins by ten thirty, they're gonna freak out and you know go on a rampage. So like there there are just some people that I'm like you know, yeah. But they'll sit because they're not a drug addict because they don't have to struggle. They've never you know what I mean. Yep. And they and don't know what it's like. The the reality is weak or strong. It doesn't. Like it doesn't necessarily doesn't matter. matter. Like that's a, you're missing the the point entirely. Whether they're weak or strong, but at the end of the day, no one looks at someone who succumbs to an illness and says, "Well, they just gave well, up." They're just a weak person. They just gave up. No, uh, they didn't. Like, they fought likely until the very very end. Um, um it, yeah. it's it is nothing to do with weak or strong, and and that's missing the point entirely. Exactly. So and, th it's not a weakness. It's not. It's not a a, a character flaw. Yeah. Um, and then this is the other thing. Your reality is different. Um, I don't know how much you know about logic systems, but the best way I can describe this is like with samurai and knights, right? Like samurai and like medieval knights. So people like to use them as a parallel. And as someone who has studied history and culture, like I'm like, oh, no, they're not even close. Oh, like knights were like this, you know, the samurai of New York. No, not even close. Um, de code and, and knights are completely different. So... When you talk about like samurai, what a samurai would consider to be honorable is completely different from what a knight would be considered honorable. And both of them would consider the other to be like barbarians mm -hmm. and, and like terrible, terrible people. Um, but we want to consider them to be the same. But the problem is they come from logic systems. So even though there are such similarities, they both have a code of honor. Um, they both are trained warriors. They both have certain, th you know, they, they require a level of excellence and and have competition between each other and they swear it. So even though they have all those same things, it comes from a very, very different place because the cultures are so different mm -hmm. and the logic systems are so different. So their realities are very different. Yeah. Um, um, it, 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 the it's just your brain doesn't work the same way. It's one of the it hardest. Not. It's one of the hardest things because in your mind, when you see someone who's struggling with any sort of brain or mental illness, 
uh, and disease or disorder. Um, they like you want to say like it's just so why don't they just get this? Like why why do they not get that this is not okay? Because they like that's not how their, their brains are not. Their brain is way? quite literally different. That's like asking um, why a like why a Prius can't off road. Uh, the same way that a Jeep does. It, I they, just they, don't understand yeah, the, why it, was, it can't drive faster. It was developed differently, and it and it um is a different. It's just an entirely different car. It like it, it's not that it has a different purpose. It's just it was wired differently. It was made differently, and so it cannot. You cannot have the same expectations or project expectations onto it. Um, from some from others from some other car. The same is true, and it's one of the hardest things in the world to understand. Um, but once you do understand how that person's brain works and what they see in their reality when you say a certain thing or do a certain thing, um, suddenly uh, your ability to communicate with them, your ability to work through something with them, to solve conflicts, whatever, it it it, it like it it just tra it's transformed entirely yeah. when you've when you've figured out that key when you've unlocked that key yeah. or you know found that key and unlocked it so. Yeah, their reality is different. different, and that's going to be something you have to remind yourself of constantly. And you have to remember that for them it is a reality. Um, the, the best way I can talk about it, especially when talking about mental uh, uh, disorders, not necessarily addiction specifically, but just mental disorders. Beautiful Mind is a great movie kind of talking about uh, a man who who um, goes through the struggle of, of paranoid schizophrenia. Um, he's, a, a I believe, a Yale um, professor, Harvard professor, Um a brilliant genius, um, uh, uh, math prodigy, uh, he became an, uh, an economics professor and just incredible man, um, worked on finding patterns and manifested a, a um, paranoid uh, delusion where um, he was finding spies in the U.S. And so he had this whole, you know, like cabin that he filled with, um, you know, like connections and like newspapers, mm -hmm. like, you know, just random, like there's an S over here in the, you know, Phoenix sun. And that connects with the, the Y and the, you know, that type of stuff. Um, this very, very, very delusional thing. And, but for him, that was his reality. And so a lot of people are like, Oh, look at that. It's so crazy. It's like, think about the fear that he's going through for him. That's real for him. The danger to his life mm -hmm. is imminent and Perception constant. is very much reality when it comes to mental illnesses. So like, think about what he was going through. Every day, every person could possibly be a threat. And right away, because something that he considers to be real is telling him, an authority figure is telling him, you're in danger. And the only thing keeping you from, from, from like being destroyed from your entire life crumbling around is your hard work and determination to find this thing. That's the, that's the same type of understanding that you need to understand for people with mental disorders. Their reality is just different. Now, obviously it's going to manifest itself differently with different things. So with ADHD, it's different than, uh, you know, paranoid schizophrenia, different with, uh, um, uh, disassociative identity disorder. It's different from, you know, uh, clinical depression is different from a bunch of things, but you need to understand, like even with clinical depression, like you, the reality is just different. Yep. Their reality is different. Like they actually yeah. don't see colors. So you can take them, you know, we, we talk about it. And it's such a, a, you know, sad day. Um, the lead singer of Lincoln park. And I can't think of his name. And it's Chester Bennington. Me. Thank you. When he was, when he, um, passed, People were like, oh, he seems so happy the day before. And I go, I've had clinical depression before. You can go to, to seemingly the best place 
and because it is not as exciting to you as everyone else, it can actually drive you to a darker place. And people don't get that. You literally don't see, the world is more gray to you. It's another, like, <laughs> that's your reality, and people just yep. don't get it. So I think it's important when you're talking about addiction, their reality is not your reality. So you have to put yourself, you have to take yourself out and put yourself in their shoes. So let, let's, um, and even the last kind of bullet, few bullet points on your part of this um, uh, kind of lay into, or, or kind of lead into this, but like, so let's talk about what do we do moving forward and yeah. what that looks like. This is why we're going over, because this part we couldn't, we, there was nothing in here that we really wanted to skip. And uh, this is, you know, obviously we're doing this, we record this straight through as a conversation. So yeah. we we have to kind of communicate without communicating in the middle of saying things that matter. So we're, um, we're like in the middle of something where just, yep. like, just, just finish it through. This is yep. a good thought. This so um, it, we do want to talk about it. what do we do now? And and there was even a request from from a review for like, what what how do Christians, what, what should Christians do? What should people do yeah. Yeah. to make these yeah. situations better? So we're going to give you those practical things here. Um, and yes, they are... Um, they're vastly important, and yes, they will absolutely make a difference. Um, and so, uh, the we we've already talked about it a little bit um, as far as putting yourself in their shoes and understanding, um, learning to understand what the, whatever their reality is. Um, that's really important. Um, but I would think too, um, and this is something you can do right now. Um, Learn the differences between different kinds of drugs and how they interact. Yeah. Um, this all this you should do this anyway if you've ever taken ibuprofen or antihistamines or Tylenol, anything like you need to know about some common over how the they, counter, how they, yeah. how how they, they interact they, with each other. Yeah. Um, I once took, oh, uh, I took Mucinex and Dayquil, not realizing that I basically, oh, oh, yep. Um, I basically over, not over, like I did overdose, but not that kind of over, like I just was, um, I wasn't loopy. There was no, none of that. I just got really sick. Like I was not feeling well at all. I could barely move because I was so, everything was spinning, but I wasn't, there was no high there. I was just really bad. Um, the, uh, because I basically didn't realize that yeah. those two, um, those two or the active ingredient ingredients is basically the same. Both, yeah. So if you take one, you're not taking the other is the, basically the rule of thumb here. Um, but learn the differences between drugs and not just over the counter, but like learn the difference between different kinds of drugs that people get addicted to and ask doctors about what medications you'll be given after a surgery. Like, so ask before the surgery, what medications you'll be given, what alternatives there might be if it tends, if it happens to be an addictive, a highly addictive substance yeah. um, and educate yourself and ensure you don't get hooked. I was so scared after my tonsillectomy of getting hooked on painkillers that I was only taking it when I was in pain because I didn't want to, um, cause I didn't want to get addicted. I didn't want to take it on a regular basis and feel like I was getting, um, building some sort of tolerance or used to it. And that was when, um, a friend of mine, uh, his mom is a nurse and she was like, no, 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 that's how you get addicted Yeah, because yeah. the spikes are higher. Whereas if you're taking it every eight hours or you know, I forget how long it was, but if you're taking it when you're supposed to be taking it, keeps it, the pain it keeps away. the pain away, which means you're no, you're not. And it keeps everything in a baseline so that the spike every time you take it isn't as high. It's lower. Yeah. It's lower. Yeah, so yeah. so it's just it's just a tolerable level yeah. across and you take it all the way through and you're done. Right. Yeah. Um, I've been through two surgeries now that involved painkillers and I'm doing and, and like I've been OK. And now that isn't yeah. the case for every single person. But that's what I'm saying. Like, educate yourself and ask questions so that you don't get hooked yourself and so that you can help others um, not get hooked. So that that is huge, is just the education. And so there are links, like I said, to overdosedaycom 
where you can find um, some fact sheets on different kinds of drugs, how to recognize overdoses, things like that, um, and what to do in those situations. Turns out if someone overdoses on opioids, you can have up to hours to save them, not all yeah. the time, but there you yeah. can literally There's have up to hours yeah. as long as they're still breathing. Um, then you can likely, you have a lot of time before they succumb to it, which means, but the earlier, you, it does mean that time is still of the essence, but it's not as, yeah. So, so acting quickly is important because the sooner you act, the less hours, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. the less, the, less the more time. Yeah. Damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the second thing I would say, and this is where we've talked about the addict thing, uh, rehumanize, we need to rehumanize people who are fighting addiction and mental illness. Yeah. Um, I've had the temptation to do it this episode. Uh, Tony has. I think I actually may have even said it once, and I apologize if if that's the case. Um, but we need to stop calling people drug addicts, addicts, alcoholic, um, you know, any any sort of harmful label. No one calls me asthmatic. Like, and if they do, they they're still saying like like they're they're not identifying that or identifying me through that. They're that's just being used as a descriptor of of me, like a descriptive or a descriptor of a part of my life. When people see me, it, when they, they just say, Oh, when, when they see me pull up my inhaler, they just say, Oh, he just has asthma. Like that, yeah. that's what they yeah. like. Oh, he has asthma. I didn't know that. That's about it. Like they, they're not just like, Oh, you're just an asthmatic. Like no one does yeah. that. Um, yeah, I, I want to be clear though. This is for people. If you're trying to help someone who's struggling with an addiction, um, rehumanize them you know most yes. close-up processes they you have to call yourself what you are you know so, yeah so you know, i am an alcoholic i am a sex like, addict we're not yeah saying like that type of thing but correct for those of us on the outside looking in don't refer to them that way they can yeah. refer to themselves that way um in order to help them through that process to help them remember yeah. you know to avoid you know the the the, the but for us destigmatize that's the whole point yep see the human side and remind them of that because that's what they need. Yep. In a, um, well, in most yeah. cases, that's well, what they need. And, and, an adult that I am very close to once shared with me that after beating cancer, um, this is an older adult. Like this is, this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, this yeah. is essentially a boomer. Um, they told me that they didn't believe that they were worthy of finding love or that anyone would ever love them again because they feared that all anyone would see is their cancer or they'll just be thought of, of da like damaged goods that could go at any moment should the cancer return. Yeah. Um, just a, a ticking time bomb like of death. They already feel dehumanized and they will dehumanize themselves unnecessarily, even outside of an addiction recovery program. Um, the same way that, that this, this happened, right? They'll, they already will have a, will have trouble remembering their humanity that lies beyond their addiction and their, and their struggle. And for us to only identify them as, um, as an addict or by their addiction, by their disease, that shows like, like this adult doesn't even attend church anymore because it's all people talk about. How are you? How are, how is, how are things since, you know, how's X, Y, and Z with your cancer? And, um, they're afraid that that's all that they'll see. And every time we do right. it, we reinforce right. it. Right. Um, um it's, now, yeah. That's not to say that you don't want to hold people accountable. Um, there's a great, I would not recommend the show to, to watch. Um, because it is, it does involve very, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Is that what you're going to say? But, um, there's a show called catastrophe on, uh, Amazon, uh, starring, um, Rob Delaney and, oh, I can never remember her name is killing me. Anyway. So, um, this guy plays this, uh, uh, guy who's struggling with an alcohol addiction. He's a former, um, um, uh, alcoholic. 
and he tells one of his friends in, in England about this. And the guy comes over at one point to ask him to help him with his son and smells the alcohol on his breath and goes, I thought you were off the sauce, you know, mate. And and has this whole conversation where he's like, oh, no, no, no. The guy's like, oh, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he's like, no, no, I, I'll find someone else to help. And he's like, what? No, come mm. on. And, and he goes, I believe someone when they tell me who they are. Yep. And he goes, you told me that this is what you're struggling with. So to me, I think it was such a beautiful moment where he's like, I'm here for you. I'm going to help you, but I'm not going to give you that responsibility. Like, I love you, but I know that this is your struggle and I'm going to hold you accountable. Yep. Humanizes him. Did not say like, oh, there was no judgment other than... It was not a judgment uh, or condemnation. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a condemnation. It was, but a, it was, a, it was a judgment call, but it yeah, wasn't it a was, judgment. It was this idea of, dude, I'm not going to, well, you're struggling with this. I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, going to let you uh, uh, take care of my kid because you and I both know that this is your struggle. Still was his friend. You know, he just comes back the next season, but that's kind of, it's one of those moments where I go, that's, the, that's what it is. You're treating them as a human being. He didn't mm -hmm. discard him. But he walked away. So that's how you do it, is you say, you have told me this is your struggle. I'm going to be here for you. Mm -hmm. But you are more than this struggle. Yep. Um, and then uh, the other thing I would say here, and this is going to be, this is important for prevention. Um, this is massive in prevention. And this is going to be, if you're wondering, like, our list is short, it's because this one on its own is huge. Is huge. And you're going to, like, this is the biggest, this is going to be the harder one to wrestle with, Right. In order to prevent situations that can be an addiction catalyst, look for those in your friend group or even just outside of it that need friendship and care. Um, it, this is huge because, once again, loneliness is a big factor, that kind of desperation for community and approval. So giving someone that outside of any sort of relation or connection to drugs and alcohol or anything like that is huge. Um you know, there's this there's this myth in uh, in Christian circles that like sending my kid to a private school, sending my kids to a Christian school, like they're never going to be, in, you know, they're not going to be peer pressured in like the same way that they would in, in a public school. And what kids will tell you is it's very much the opposite, um, that when they were in public schools and kids found out about their beliefs or whatever, they're like, all right, cool. We're not going to bother you. Like it's very rare. It's, it's, it's much rarer in. They, they oftentimes will go out of their way to make sure that yep. that individual is not pressured into a yep. situation that would. They respect it a lot more. Beliefs. Yeah. Whereas in a, in a, in a private school environment where a lot of kids grew up in these same kind of households that were all told that this X, Y, and Z is bad. Well, they get a hold of it and then it becomes like a rebellion thing and it becomes a big like way to stand out and from the identity you've had your entire life as X, Y, or Z. And so uh, it actually turns out that in Christian schools, that's where it happens almost, I would say, more um, and more strongly. That's where the peer pressure is. Um, so it's really important, especially if you're in any sort of private school environment as a young adult or as a teenager listening to this, but even in a work environment or just life in general, um, we need to look for those in our friend group that need friendship and care so that they're never lonely enough that they're driven to go toward those or listen to those who um, who would have them do X, Y, or Z in, in drugs. Um, but I would warn, and Tony has watched me fall victim to this, um, and I, you know, this anyone, anyone with a good, you know, with, with a, I want to just say just a good heart, but someone, anyone who can identify that person on their own, um, will usually also try to take it upon themselves to do it. Yeah. 
And here's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Don't take it upon yourself to just personally befriend someone. Yes, that's important. But instead, I would say it's more important to become their advocate within even your own friend group and encourage them to become a supportive community and place to this person. If you rely, um, if you just do it yourself, someone who is lonely, they can become addicted to you. Yeah. And they can violate your boundaries. And you become then this this thing that you become their sole source of dependence the exact same way a drug would or something else would. The, the, it's important that there's a friend group that becomes a supportive community for them um, that because that's way more balanced. They don't just obsess over one person and it's a lot harder to obsess over several people. And so this ends up, they end up in a much better and healthier place in regards to their connections with others because they've, they've, they've found a, uh, a home. And so you can't, it's not just a thing you can do on your own. If you're a part of a friend group, then you have the opportunity for advocacy. And that's why I said that alone right there is like good luck. And I don't mean good luck like you're not going to be able to do it. I'm saying like that's why the, that right there is why this list is short. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that means standing up to your friends who are making fun of people that are different than themselves. Someone with a mental illness or disorder. Someone who, who doesn't look the same way or looks or sounds a certain way. Right? Stand up to those people. Um look to create a group, not just a one-on-one -on -one connection. And um, yes, the one-on-one -on -one connection is important, but it can't be the only thing because then you're actually, you can actually enable some of the har the harmful things that someone might engage in um, as a result of them becoming overly dependent on you. So look yeah. to create, this is why churches are so big. This is why youth groups can be such a big thing. Just your friend group in general at work. Um, you know, it's huge. Support people um, who need it. If someone has had surgery, if someone is taking um, FMLA, uh, time off work for a surgery, or if someone is um, taking a sabbatical from work or a committee or a team or leadership, whatever, right? If they're taking if they're taking some personal time, then at least you know once every couple of weeks, once you know once a month, even it, depending on how long it goes, like reach out to them and just see how they're doing. You don't need any details. Just say, hey, why don't you know I'm thinking of you? If there's anything I can do for you. Carve hey, out some intentional You're having surgery. Do you need it. anyone yeah. to come bring you any food? Do you need anyone? Like, like, reach out to them and let them know that they don't have to go through whatever they're going through alone and that you're thinking of them, that you're praying for them, that you want to do something to better their life. Like, become a supportive person that doesn't allow for the feelings of loneliness that we'll, we'll all inevitably feel um, to consume those around us. Um, so yeah, that's, that would be what I say, Tony, is there anything, any final advice that you would want to give here? Um, you know, I'll just, I just kind of go through some of the points from, from the last section. You know, addiction doesn't make sense. Don't try to make sense of it. Uh, the great, uh, <laughs> talking heads, uh, documentary they made of a, of a concert called stop making sense. And uh, Talking Heads are a new wave band from the 80s, and their music is not musical, if that makes sense. Sounds about uh, right. They have a famous, famous song called Once in a Lifetime that literally just describes kind of this Christian fundamentalist um, lifestyle uh, of, like, you know, baptism and different concepts. Mm -hmm. And it's just this idea that, like, this perfect, perfect suburban life, um, what we would consider good music isn't the only thing. Like there's there's beauty yep. to be found in other places. 
Um, so stop making sense. Stop trying to make it make sense. Stop trying to make everyone's enjoyment make sense. Um, your your way of living is not the only way of living. Your your reality is not the only reality. Um, Absolutely. And that to me, I would say that. So addictions don't make sense. Stop trying to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't wrap your head around it, but rather get outside of your own system and try to see it from someone else. And that can be very difficult to do, um, especially if you've never done it before. Um, but it's worth trying to do. Mm-hmm. Which means researching, educating yourself, asking yeah. questions, yeah. and yeah. asking questions of, of of someone who is in that boat too. What What is something that can help you? What What is something that you know yeah. that can help me um, understand you? Help me yeah. Help me learn how to communicate treat, treat and understand it, you. Treat it like you would a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the best way I can say that. Like if your yep. friend gets diagnosed with cancer, you're going to find out everything you can with cancer. If your friend gets diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or that, um, both of those um, things have what's, happened. What's, what's the um, uh, what's the one where like your your brain, like your muscles actually cause pain? I'm trying to think of the. Oh, um, I don't remember. I don't. But but, you know, stuff like that, um, you know, it, it, you're going to find out. You know, lupus, whatever it is, you're gonna find out whatever it is, Lyme disease. You know, and you're gonna and you're gonna be like, hey, you know, we can't do X around because they are, you mm-hmm. know, they're struggling with this. Treat it like that. Um, and put yourself in their shoes. Anticipate those issues. You know, like we were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, I think I, go ahead. I was just gonna say that the the most helpful thing you can do in anticipation too is if you do suspect someone's struggling with something you can remind them that you're willing to support them and you're willing to listen and um, to whatever they're going through and then go ahead and list off a bunch of things, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's depression, whatever, like list them off because everyone thinks that their issue is the exception, like the thing that you won't. So if you can cast that wide net and actually say the thing, you're taking one more excuse away from them to stay, to stay reserved and and hidden behind it. So, and it, and it, the things that are brought into the light are easier dealt with. Um, the, the, the darkness, the secret places, that's where addiction, it's like, it's like a, it's where it lives in the dark. And it and it just multiplies yep. in the dark. So, um, and then to the biggest thing, and the one I, I just want to end on: be patient. Just be patient. Um, it's more than a virtue; it's a necessity. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, there is no short-term way out of addiction. And while yeah, there's occasionally there, you know, there's stories of people who put down, they threw out their cigarette immediately, and they never touched another pack a day in their life. That's awesome. That's I, not at all the I know norm. People who, who twelve years out. Like their hands still get jittery. Yep. Just be still, patient. They, they and, have days where they're like legit mm-hmm. angry and grumpy and they're like, I want to shake her. And ah. you can be frustrated and angry too. Get help for your own emotional hurt, yeah. heart and pain as someone's disease impacts you as well. It, it, it doesn't mean that your suffering isn't real, no. but you have to be patient. Like if yep. you want to help someone, you have to be patient. Yep. That's just ultimately yep. it. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, for being a part of this. We'll probably revisit this again in the future as well, because there's so much more that we could have said. Just that last point alone, I could have continued to develop. So, um, but thank you so much for listening. Check out all the links in the description for the sources that we've cited here and also for, uh, drug addiction, overdose, uh, resources and, and information so that you can be educated and knowledgeable if the situation should ever arise. So, um, thank you everyone for your support, for listening and go out there, um, be a better a friend, be a better uh, community member, and look for those um, that are needing love and a sense of community and a sense of belonging. We'll see you in a couple weeks.
We'll be right back.